0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to HONDA Web3 Waffles. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Alison Alexander, who has worked amongst other things in children's services, been CEO of various different companies, and now um, is working as, as a co-founder and heading up the ethics side of Metacampus, which is really interesting. I'm very excited about this conversation. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me, Scott, and for, um absolutely for Hondu for being interested in talking with me
0: absolutely absolutely I mean it'd be great first off just to hear a bit about your background and your, your journey into Web3
1: cool Um, and I think I think what I'll do is I'll start where I am, and then just quickly travel backwards, just so people can get that context. So, um, so I am, as you said, the co-founder with Pera and Edu of MetaCampus, and the vision of MetaCampus, straight up front, is that we will unlock human potential and change the economics of the world. Only two little things we're trying to achieve there, and we do, and, and we do all of that through using the new Web three tools. That we have in front of us yeah so that's what we're doing but the reason i want to say that is because it's showing everybody can do this what i'm doing yeah so if i take myself backwards as you said i have been the chief executive of a virtual reality company that provides training for professionals working with children and young people and i got into that after being the chief exec of a local council so as you're talking to a May if you're talking to a mainly English audience, a UK audience, you'll know a local council is responsible for everything, children, education, health, roads, housing, parks, communities, rubbish in a local area. So all about communities, which is an interesting point, coming back to Web 3 now in the communities. Um, but before that, I was Director of Children's Services, as you said, so, um, and I'm really, I mean, I'm proud of everything that I do, but to become the Director of Children's Services, um, and I became the Director of Children's Services, I think I was 41 and a half when I became the Director, and I was one of the youngest directors that had ever been appointed, Um, and again, in context, there's only ever, at any one point, 152 Directors of Children's Services in the whole of the UK. So I was one of 152, um, and I was also the first one or the first one that was disclosed that had grown up in the care system. So I had gone from living in the care system, so that meant living in a children's home, foster care, uh, independent living, moving out when I was 18 to live on my own, to actually being responsible for the whole of the service that therefore was responsible for looking after me when I was um I went into care when I was 10 and left care when I was 18 so that kind of um so that felt really proud to be able to do that given the challenges that I went into care because I lived in a low social economic background abusive um parents um both parents um and was one of four but for some reason, and this probably tells you how I got to where I am, I wasn't prepared to accept the really bad shit really. really. Um, and so what that really meant as a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old, I kept acting out. And by acting out, people did the typical thing that people say is what's wrong with that child rather than what's wrong with that environment that child is living in. And so, but to me, I, I didn't care because what it did is it got attention to me and it got me removed. So for me, the care system was a huge savior. It meant I lived in a safe, I wasn't being like abused in the evenings and any time of the day. And so I got to, um, to live in that kind of, I'm going to say safer environment and, but what didn't happen is I didn't get an education. So I left school at the last time I went to school was 15 and I'm a September born. So that's the first week of my year 10. So I never went back to school after that. So I left school with no qualifications, nothing, just probably huge drive passion and motivation to do things and I have therefore been talking for a while so I'm going to stop but I do want to say if I can do that everybody can and we all need different shoulders to stand on different help but we can all do it and that's a really important message for anyone listening to this podcast that you don't have to go through regular routes, you don't have to have done GCSEs or A-levels or degrees. I do have a university degree now, but only because I went back when I was working and I was supported whilst at work to do. But I I never did A-levels, I never did university. In fact, I did apprenticeships. I did one apprenticeship and I went from apprenticeship all the way through to director of children's services. So it's possible.
0: So it really proves that if you've got the right desire, the right ambition, then really that motivation can drive you. I mean, I think that's a really, really important message to say that it's certainly something I fundamentally believe that it shouldn't matter what your educational background is. There's many, many talented people out there that just get missed out by the current system and actually providing the opportunity for people is so important. that's a really positive message to get across
1: and i I think it is i think so many people get lost in the system Mm. we've got a very um an education system that is very focused on driving people down an academic route um and and this isn't to criticize academia but it's it's the world is made up of all sorts of people and some people are are huge thinkers some are huge reflectors and some are huge doers and i i would put myself in that category that i was a i would do if you ask me something i usually end start by telling you what i've done (laughs) and then i'll tell you what i think about it or then what i feel about it and so it's made up of all those people and what happens is we end up trying to put all children young people into this one thinking route first yeah and if they don't fit into that, we assess their behavior as being inappropriate or they're not being clever enough or smart enough. And therefore, the system doesn't mean to, but it gives them the message that they're not good enough. Yeah. And therefore, they they possibly jump out and abdicate to do it or decide to do something which is so not using all their skill sets.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, thinking about what you just said then and the Web3 angle that you're now thinking about, how do you think that Web3, you know, the tools, the, the mindset for Web3, how do you think that can support and help people in this situation?
1: Oh, brilliant question. And it is so, so firstly, I see Web3 as um, a social revolution now, I have to be careful about the word revolution because in some places that's not a very positive word. But I see it as a, a change, a social change that is saying the world wants to do business or the the individuals in the world want to do business differently. But I also feel what the world is saying in the Web3 ecosystem is it says we need people who have really strong social skills. We need yeah. people who are really competent at critical thinking. We need people who are great at laterally thinking, how might I get around this issue or how might I address this? Um, I was talking to a young a young guy yes, uh, last week um, on a panel he and I were on, and, and I say young, he is 24, I'm allowed to say he was young, um, and he set up his own company, a Web3 company, and he said, we keep interviewing older people, Alison, your age, um, for our tech jobs, and they keep telling me how they can't how it can't be done he said i've given up he said what i do now is go to like colleges or universities or different places and they go oh that's a pretty tough problem but let's find a way to sort it he said there's a different mindset yeah and i i think i think sometimes the older we get we get more experience and we think about the things first that can't work or how it's more difficult um so Sorry, but to come back to that question of, I think Web3 is looking for people who are creative, innovative, lateral thinking, critical skills, team players, yeah, yeah, and really good communicators. And if you look at those six skills in themselves, when you go to university, you might gain some of those because of the challenges of living socially with all sorts of people. But you don't need that experience to get those. That's not what you're taught at university. You experience life. So actually, this is the way where Web3 can really unlock potential of all those people who have not done that. And they don't need to. Why get a four-year degree with 100,000 debt um, to when you could have got that job four years earlier with the skill sets that you hold?
0: Absolutely. I think it's a very valid point. Four years worth of education obviously makes a lot of sense in some cases, but it's very good at teaching people well-trodden paths. If you want to become a doctor or a surgeon, it makes an awful lot of sense to go through training like that. Absolutely. But in fast-moving, ever-evolving spaces like technology, like a lot of the STEMs, like sciences in general, then the rapid pace of change, university can't possibly keep up um and actually on the job training actually learning through doing makes an infinite number of sense and i think as you say you get a much more rounded viewpoint the whole ethos of web3 and that much more rounded viewpoint as a human being you can't be guaranteed to get if you're in education
1: yeah i think apprenticeships to be honest i think I remember when apprenticeships, um, people used to do them, then they were always seen as the second-class citizen if you did an apprenticeship rather than go into to do A-levels. So, I mean, at one point they were seen as the golden ticket for many people, especially when the state owned um, most things. People were seen as actually if I go into electricity or I go into different industries and I do it via apprenticeship, I'm going to go all the way through. But then it became that wasn't what people wanted their young people to do. And actually, we need to reignite that love of apprenticeships and so that both young people feel that it is a legitimate option. And I know that that's what you guys do, like, do that real opportunity. But we need more and more. And we need educationists to know that this is a really viable option. And you know what? We need to allow young people at 14, 15, and 16 to do kind of a bit of both really maybe to do a bit of an apprenticeship and also to do a bit of that standard english maths and any of those other. so they can really rather than say if you're not getting on we're going to send you to an alternative learning provision and then to be honest sometimes you're going to get more disenfranchised actually why don't we think more creatively
0: Absolutely, thinking about the individual and the best way of learning and helping support them. And I guess, what do you think the mind shift needs to be for people, as you say, at the moment, there's, there's been a transition away from apprenticeships, there's been a transition away from kind of the more web three way of learning. What kind of mind shifts do you think need to take place in order for you know, general society to start to understand and shift back to that way of thinking mm-hmm. um, and, kind of, and sort of embrace the de- de- decentralized way of both learning uh, of yeah. working communicating with each other
1: yeah so uh, i mean i think i think we're going to need to have lots of things going on simultaneously i think firstly we need to have education systems across the globe um relook at how they're educating children and young people so we we yeah. genuinely focus on we want to educate about the past to create the future yeah, yeah. but what about okay, if we're still stuck with education about the past, why don't we use the tools of the future to therefore bring people in? So if, for instance, you you took young people into a metaverse to have a science lesson and they started to create fireworks or make uh, things explode or things like that, or you did a historic lesson and you went in and you went into some of the pyramids in Egypt, like you did things like that, you would really... Use those tools to educate people about the past. So, first, you're doing two things. You're getting them to have the education they want and you're introducing them into it. You're then making sure that at the same time, all of those adults who aren't in that world actually take that time to acclimatise themselves into it. Because the point that you said there was so crucial. We need to get people to understand we currently live in a centralised world where... We as individuals don't own our data and we have people even though we make a lot of decisions we have people do unto us in a decentralized world we the concept is that we own everything we own our data um, we can use that data how we want we can sell our own data to marketing companies if you look at it that simple way rather than um someone like Google or Facebook selling my data to some marketing agency and making money I can make the money myself and therefore I can uplift my own life by doing that so yeah. but so we need to get education in the system at the very young age we need education to take place with those people who are um like the parents of young people because they don't know it's new to them and when we don't know it we get more fearful of it so we need to change that and we need to get like governments need to start proactively talking about it rather than talking about talking it down we need them to start talking it up while so that we can collaborate on exploring the options otherwise We have one group of people really exploring the web three and taking it in all sorts of directions and government trying to go against it. And then suddenly we're going to come together at the end because we will come together. Everyone will use web three. Let's be really clear. We didn't think everyone would use web two or use e-commerce or use social platforms, but now everyone does. Everyone is going to use web three and all the big, Reports say that by 2030, everybody will do one of five activities on a weekly basis in the metaverse, whether that be socializing, learning, traveling, shopping, entertaining, gaming, they will do one of those all the time.
0: And that's a big stat. That is a big stat. And also, very, very true, I think. I think it's a really interesting point about governments and how governments are, the systems of governments I don't think are actively trying to deter decentralization, but I think they're constructed in a way that centralization is core to what they do. And quite, there is a huge mind shift, culture shift into into the web three, way of thinking yeah. that it's going to take them some time as you say education um, is key at the different levels
1: yeah i often talk about education 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 and actually now i think about that um and i use those three words uh, one word three times but i think there is education about knowledge acquisition there yeah. is education about the mastery of the tools so we need yeah. to help people understand them and then there is education on the cultural difference mm. So for me, that's why I say education, 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 because there's three different elements and we need to do all of them. We can't just give people knowledge about what the what the new web tree is, but don't help them understand the culture or the tools. Because if you can't use the tools, you're not really going to get in. And if you don't get in, you won't really live and breathe it. And therefore, you won't embrace the culture of it. So we need all three of those.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's also a huge part on the tooling about simplicity of tooling as well and accessibility of tooling and that 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 there whole is still UX kind that. of it.
1: We haven't yeah. quite got there, have we? We're kind of, There's lots of, like, movement into it. But if you think to do um, a metaverse experience, other than, yeah, like, if you're going into a gaming, into a, a platform, if you go into a metaverse, purpose-built platform, you've got to yeah. have a high-spec computer to get into it. So that's not quite accessible yet, is it? That That's what we need, all of it to keep. It's like yeah. everything. It needs to keep coming down so that your phone, your everything will give you immediate access into it. And once we do that we need to but but the other thing about um, inclusive inclusivity as well because there's a lot about um, people can't get online if they don't have internet or computers but actually there's a lot of people who are bankless so they don't have banks but they do have phones and they can yeah. use crypto yeah and actually we need to, remind ourselves of that and then remind ourselves of how that can help people in very in many different ways yeah so we it doesn't matter that they can't get banks actually they can get crypto and if they can yeah. get paid in crypto and that's the shift i mean many many companies are now starting to say aren't they oh maybe we can pay in crypto or we can pay in fiat.
0: yeah absolutely absolutely i think it's certainly in um many of the different so-called emerging markets is people have a mobile phone first and mobile phone has been the, the route into actually technology they might never have had a landline might not have a laptop but they definitely will have a mobile phone I reckon a,
1: <laughs> I reckon a lot of young people don't even know what a landline is if you were to ask them what is a landline or have you got a landline number they'd go they'd reel off their mobile number i'm really sure and i don't mean that dismissively but most households don't have a landline
0: I don't, we don't, we don't. And, and why would you need one anymore? I think that that's an absolutely massive culture shift that you touched on as well about just general, you know, inclusivity as well about, you know, web three. the accessibility part, just in terms of like the, the technology that's required to get in there. But as you say, there are ways, I think we could solve that in terms of, you know, making it accessible on different types of devices. But what are your thoughts on just the exclusive the, the inclusivity of web three as a whole, um, and the, the, what the metaverse then offers for people from, you know, various different backgrounds.
1: Yeah. I think um uh, and it is timely today. I was um so today for for whenever people are watching this is Friday the 26th of August if that's okay to say but um it is um Women's Equality Day in the US. And the reason I say that is um I realized that at the beginning of the week because I saw a big notice about it and so I, I read to some people who do um, a Twitter space daily and said, look, it would be really good if you gave some attention to this. Yep. And so that today they had a panel of uh, five women talking about women uh, in in the kind of Web3 ecosystem. But it's still got to be asked for. that. That's the issue. When we live in a world where we have 50-50 gender split and we... St- we still have to ask that, and and I'm I'm not being critical of them, but we still generally, if I lived in a world where every time I switched on Twitter Space or I switched on, like right, podcast or everything, I always saw that equal in the Web three space, but I'm not, and and there's that real danger that we can feel that Web three will bring us that equality because that's what we're all hoping for. Web three will. Yep be more accessible and therefore if it's more accessible, it'll be more inclusive. And Web3 yeah. does allow it to be more inclusive because if you look at the metaverse you can go in as an avatar. So you and yeah. I could be talking, we could we could do something to our voices and your audience wouldn't know if I was a male, female, uh, white, black, able, disabled, any of that. Yeah? yeah, and so all of that means absolute empowerment to people because of that however we've got to be really honest and say if we don't keep talking about it all the time now there is a danger that 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 huge toll that we're going to get will give us some of that but we could still be unequally balanced and so at the end of the twitter space um the the I mean, he was the one who was saying, look, we need it to be, as we as we just said, it needs to be. Like there was five and two, so five women and two men on this time, but usually all the panels are five and one, maybe, or five of <laughs> we'll yeah, men. Yeah. So um, so there's there's intentional action. We need everyone who's got a position of power to be taking intentional action to say, how do I bring um women? Uh, people of colour, people with um, abilities, disabilities, how do I make sure they are getting the platform? We need to name it and we need to do that. But then, coming back to your point of how Web3 can really equalise, it is some of that anonymity. Web3 gives us anonymity. And therefore, I can present. And therefore, if you were seeking to employ someone and you were meeting people in the metaverse as avatars, you would be choosing based on my skill set and the evidence of delivery versus my ethnicity, my gender, um, or the academic, the school that I went to, the university I went to. So there is that real opportunity to do this.
0: I totally agree. I think that ability to be anonymous when you choose to can be massively empowering. Um, And it, it could potentially help remove some of that subconscious bias yeah. as well um, but that said i think you can't hide behind anonymity there's still, a, there's still a push for consciously thinking about actually the cultural world we want to create in the metaverse yes. and being very active about that now and yeah. it's about as you rightly talked on it's thinking directly where do we want it to be because if we don't think about it and act on it now we can't expect it to accidentally become that so i think you're absolutely <laughs> right there we have to be deliberate <laughs> about it there is
1: something about because we all talk about web three being um an accessible inclusive ecosystem because of those tools there is that danger that people think it will just naturally happen and and actually history tells us it it doesn't but it's got better opportunities to happen naturally but we need to be being consciously mindful of it but also just to say the point that you said around anonymity which carries all the way back to what you said about what I do is focus on ethics, is anonymity is a really interesting one. It's the right to an individual to be anonymous, so to be able to present themselves as they want, versus the protection of somebody who might feel that someone's anonymity means that they might be impacted by the behaviors of someone else. And because they're able to be anonymous, there is no there is nothing that can be done and therefore those are very they're the issues that we need to all be working on how do we really balance that how do we enable people to be absolutely anonymous but how do we make sure there's the protection for the individuals and we've all heard about people being attacked in the metaverse and how that gets a lot of their headlines and actually, and people have come up with all sorts of ideas. We should have police in the Metaverse. Uh, we should have decentralized. I mean, with it being decentralized, people should police it themselves, yeah, and make it so. But again, we need to be having those honest conversations. That's not what's happened. And we need to work together to make sure that we get that balance right.
0: Yeah, what are your thoughts on, I, because it's always a challenge as a risk, isn't it? when uh, when you are anonymous, you you can potentially like accountability. Um, and it's a subject I'm really fascinated about when we start to explore the metaverse, you know, when we give people the ability to be that avatar, to be whoever they want, to be something they're not. Um, but then what what can we do to enable the still to be accountability or there still to be protection, depending mm-hmm. on which way you look at it, but protection for other people, but accountability for the individual themselves. Um, because a world without accountability, we can see, we've seen before what can happen with that. You just have to go on Twitter to see where that can take you. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's a challenge and we need to find our way through it because I think it's, what I hear people saying is we can't have anonymity because people will abdicate responsibility and they'll just do what they want mm. and therefore that's that doesn't protect people. So it's about how we bring into place protections. It's that bit of having standards of behaviors that are acceptable or not acceptable and and we would we would i believe as society say the rules that we're currently applying in the world of how we treat people what is acceptable and what isn't would apply in the metaverse and what we need to do is to assure people that if they're in the metaverse and there is behavior that is inappropriate there is a way to address that Yep. if people don't feel there is a way to address that then that will stop people wanting to go into it. But also there's there's a there's a bit on that as well about when people are building the metaverse, they have to build the metaverse in a way that gives people natural protection. So for instance, um, a builders or engineers can build it. So when you enter a metaverse you you can't you can't walk through someone. That's one of the big issues about the metaverse. You go into the metaverse and you can Mm. walk through someone and you have no choice. I could just walk straight through you now um, and I'm choosing to do that. I might do it by accident or I might purposely do it or I might walk into you and stand in you for a moment and then walk out the other side. Now, that's the issue when people start to say about protection, Jess. So there are elements that people can do when they're building that actually means I have my kind of, have my ring around me if that is the case that to actually it just stops that like we've got to remember we've got to find some we've got to allow the builders to build things that give that protection and we also have to do culturally what is the acceptable behavior
0: yeah i agree i think you make a really interesting point about the builders as well i think it's very much down to you know the builders to be thinking about what safeguards they need to put in place, but also what control they need to give people of their own experiences. So, you know, if you are an individual in the metaverse, you can put that shield up that stops people from walking through you. Yeah. Maybe you can choose not to see certain people, you know, maybe you can choose what people see of you, and also the you know what they um that it, we theory have a hundred percent control over everybody's experience within that space, and yeah. so. I think there's definitely something for us as builders to be thinking about well what does that look like you know what controls do we give people that allow Mm. them to be able to you know take themselves out of situations um report situations you know highlights of individuals if individuals are treating them in a way that it shouldn't be treated Mm. is there some way then that that then you know if if found to be true is actually associated with that person you know with their credibility scores are there you know it feels like there's there's gamified things we can use that are used in you know general games that can be used actually in this space but again i agree And it's about
1: getting people to think about it without, without saying I'm doing this because of that. And it's again comes to the point of who the builders are. So the builders, Mm. to be honest, and the builders are there are many female as um, builders out there, and there are lots of male builders. Mm -hmm. But, but if the builders also come from people who, who play those games, who are really um, engaging in those metaverses. They might not think about that. That's why when we build, we need to be making sure we're talking to as many different people as possible. What are the bits that you would be thinking, you would be worried about, you would want us to give attention to? And then as builders, we can go play with all those ideas and find lots of solutions. And I think it's, as you say, we need to have those, maybe that's it, it's those measures that are in our, we can choose. I can choose to click this one on to click that one. And that it's not about saying everyone has to have this circle around them. Everyone has to have this. Everyone has to have that. It's we need to build it in a way that people can make sure the experience is the one that's right for them as an individual. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point because I think there's, cause then you're saying that actually, if you want to go into the wild west and you want to go in without any protections, Go for it. Absolutely yeah. fine. And that will work quite well for some people. Um, but find what you're comfortable with. And if it isn't, then you can you can build up that protections and you, mm. you can build up that space. And I think there's yeah. there's a very interesting debate for builders to be having about what that looks like and not assuming yeah. that everybody, it's a one size fit all for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's a really important point. And we probably don't talk about that enough in terms of how to... Uh, and we, we need to not make any assumptions that builders will build that in or we need to not... We need to not then say, well, they didn't build it in and then say, but we didn't talk to them about it. We need to be raising them. Yeah, yeah. Because they won't feel this is an issue. I don't feel threatened or I'm comfortable. So they might not build it in for that very reason
0: absolutely and going back to your point before it's about being intentional about it it's about being intentional about the conversation now so that we're having the conversations now while we're building because you can't expect everybody to think of everything so if we raise the points now we raised our conversations we we be quite vocal in it then people are more likely to hear whether they listen or not, something different but they're more likely to hear yeah yeah Fantastic. Well, we are coming up to the hour. So thank you very much for joining me on Web3 Waffles today. Uh, if anyone listening would like to find out any more about uh, either Allison or Hundo and myself, check out the show notes and we'll link to relevant profiles uh, or check out hundo.xyz. Thank you very much.